Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So the NBA Finals just concluded and they crowned the Milwaukee Bucks as the world champions. So the series was really great and it really proves how hard of a champion can look like. And we're here to break it down for you, the whole series and what, in, what implications it has for the rest of the NBA and how the offseason would go according to us. So stay tuned till the end of the episode and we got you covered. So yeah, let's get started. The the major reason the Bucks uh, were even a title contending team in the middle of the playoffs was their defense. And uh, their defense has been uh, really good this season because of one man that's uh, Drew Holiday. He wasn't there with the Bucks last season and uh, he was a really good defender on the Pelicans, but they were obviously nowhere near contending uh, to a, for a title. So yeah, he found his calling with the Bucks and safe to say that it worked out pretty well in his very first season with the Bucks. He was the X factor for the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals and the rest of the playoffs also on the defensive end primarily because he can shut down your favorite player on his day. And that's literally what he did in the finals. Yeah, and with Drew Holiday being what Eric Bledsoe was supposed to be for the Bucks, you know, he's not that great offensively. Eric Bledsoe was a disaster on offense, but Drew Holiday can get you buckets on certain nights. And the Bucks have that number one and number two option set with Giannis and Middleton. And you know, either one or both of them are going to go off on one night. I, I consistently say Middleton has to perform better than his regular performances to keep the Bucks afloat. But you saw how he played those finals, right? He was amazing. And with Giannis dropping multiple 40-point games in a final series that only went to six, Drew just had to have one good night and the Bucks were going to wrap this up pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't uh, say the Suns played bad or anything. I, I would just say the Bucks outplayed them because all the games were pretty close, except a few games here and there. But yeah, the the Bucks were being exploited in games one and two on the pick and roll by Chris Paul. He was always chasing big men, Brook Lopez and everything. But Coach Bud, I think, made a few adjustments here and there, uh, starting from game three and. Uh, it worked out pretty good for the Bucks because uh, Drew Holiday again was the primary defender for Chris Paul or Bo- Devin Booker at different position. I mean possessions. Even Pat Connaughton was the next factor on defense for the Bucks, and he he safe to say that he also did an amazing job both defensively and and offensively, shooting forty percent from three. Yeah, with the uh, with the Bucks firing on all cylinders, it was left to. CP3 and Booker and after game 2 I don't know what what happened to Chris Paul and Booker I'm willing to forgive one game okay like every guy in a series you know he's bound to have one bad game that's not going to be a problem but after game 3 when Booker had only 10 points he showed up for game 4 he had a 40 point game and he shot really efficiently too but the moment when Devin Booker needed that second star to step up like he did his whole career in Phoenix under the brightest lights, Chris Paul failed to deliver. The man who we called point god couldn't do it on the biggest stage for some reason. His stat line, you know what, it's, it's decent. But do you really think he was the Chris Paul we, we all know and love? Funny fact, during these NBA Finals, Drew Holiday was a better playmaker than Chris Paul. He was averaging more assists and a lesser number of turnovers than Chris Paul. Can you imagine that being said about Drew Holiday versus Chris Paul of all people, especially with the 
assist turnover ratio he's had all his career yeah chris paul i honestly across the years i've consistently defended chris paul i've even called him better than steph curry at some points i just couldn't believe that he played such a bad game look you can have bad games even in the first three quarters if you play bad but you make up for it in the clutch it's okay but that one crucial turnover which he had in the fourth that really sealed the game you know that was a insanely important possession on the suns team right who do you want to have the ball is it booker or paul before this final series i would say paul 100% there is no debating this booker you know he might get you a few shots he might make you a few game winners but at the end of the day the ball should have been in the point guard's hands and he just couldn't do it now i don't know why whether he was injured or something like that but if he had played a bit better in game 4 they would have been up 3-1 and with it the series in my opinion i mean deandre aiden wasn't able to defend yanis at all the whole series because yanis was yanis averaged 35.2 ppg the whole series and that's kind of monstrous for a guy's first nba finals because very few people have done that in nba history averaging 35 plus ppg in an nba final series and even i i saw game 6 when yanis was going off for 50 he was dominating the paint he was dominating deandre ayton there was literally nothing deandre ayton could do stop yanis and his pressure he there was so much pressure on deandre ayton that it was showing on the offensive end for him deandre ayton was amazingly well in the paint in the low post and i mean throughout the playoffs and in game 6 of the nba finals he couldn't make shots that he considered to be his bread and butter deandre ayton underperforming was also a key factor because game 1 and 2 right i remember deandre ayton playing pretty well owing to yanis's injury in game 1 i kind of give that as an easy win for ayton obviously you know he had to not to deal with a lot but as you said the shots he'd been making all playoffs the shots he'd been hitting he wasn't even able to make even the rebounding was just empty rebounding after a point the problem was that his experience wasn't enough to combat someone like yanis the strategies that the raptors and everybody else played in the previous playoffs the suns just couldn't execute right and with their offense crumbling with chris paul not being able to you know play at the same level it all just culminated in their pathetic performance and they they just couldn't come back from it after game game 2 they also the suns also didn't have any other defender or any other center i'd say other than deandre ayton with dario saric i mean i wouldn't call saric a center but he was a pretty valuable player coming off the bench for the suns and once he went down with his acl no disrespect to him but i actually thought there wouldn't be much of a difference because i thought frank kaminsky would do more or less what saric could do but i i feel if saric was there there could have been a bit more spacing bit more playmaking opportunities for chris paul himself so looking at how yanis really played this playoffs the narrative is starting to creep up is he the best player in the nba after this performance i would honestly say he has a case he is definitely top 3 after this because whatever you say about durant right he still has to win with that super team and he will not exactly be able to defend his title he has to prove it next year before anyone says oh he's better than yanis people already hate him for you know doing that whole okay say thing especially all those lebron fans but you know we'll have to see maybe next year will be the year yanis really proves to the nba that he is the best player in the league i mean he has he, he still has a long way to go he needs to develop 
consistent jump shot to be able to survive in today's NBA. But yeah, he does uh, have an arguable case for at least top three or top five in the league. But yeah, we'll we'll see where his career takes him and what career developments he can make after this after his historic run. So I mean, as I said, he does need to get a consistent offensive game. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think even with the lack of a jumper his legacy is in question because he's already won a championship with his Milwaukee Bucks. He has two MVPs, one DPOA and a finals MVP now. And he's already in rarefied air. He's one of the he's one of three players who's won an MVP, a DPOA and a finals MVP and he's only 26. So honestly, even if he develops a jumper only after he's 28, he's already a Hall of Famer and the bucks best player honestly he has a legacy to be called the bucks best player rather than kareem or oscar robertson so this might be crazy but i think next year the bucks will be better because they they've locked in all their best players and now they can really fill out the roster and get even better complementary players because divincenzo will come back they will uh, get better replacements for someone like pj tucker you know he's getting old and brin forbes he's been crazy good uh, shooting for them he can even get better and it's all up for the bucks but we'll have to see if this was a fluke run because the nets weren't healthy and even the hawks were very close to taking them to game 7 so yeah yeah so now that the season's ended we'll have to look at free agency and where free agents might go and uh, the first free agent right fresh from the nba is chris paul so i mean i i think i i want to stay with the suns and run it back again but i i really don't know i i really don't know what he has in mind because he has a huge contract and he he really wants a huge contract and i i don't think any team is going to offer uh, such a huge contract to an aging player yeah i think he'd like to opt into his contract he still has an option to go for the 44 million option which the suns will have to pay him but then that makes it hard for him to you know he'll have to play again he has to play the same level again to be offered that same max contract so what i think he should do or the best option for him is to not opt in and sign a more friendly deal with the suns because the suns have to give contracts to eight and bridges and the future of their roster because the only player that's locked in is booker so chris paul right now he's really old and honestly his best years might still be ahead of him i'm not saying that you know he's washed or something but honestly he has to look at the team and play like a tim duncan type type role because that's the type of situation and career that he has if he ever wants to win a ring because the suns team i don't see making the finals next year as it is right yeah i mean the the, the one team i'm really interested to see and i mean how far they can go if they make the playoffs is the grol warriors because with clay coming back next season and Curry giving an apparent warning to the league. I I really want to see where the Warriors go next season. With I mean, I even heard Draymond was going to develop a consistent jump shot and go back to being the offensive weapon he was in 2016 before KD joined. So I'm really looking forward to see what the Warriors can do and who they get in the draft and what free agents they can attract. Because I I also heard rumors about Kawhi being unhappy with the Clippers and everything. so there are fresh rumors that are brewing in the west yeah and i think even the warriors could sign bradley beal apparently steph and clay asked for a bradley beal type person and with 
how the situation in washington is going i don't think bradley beal would like another re- another whole season with us and it not being able to go anywhere beyond the first round because honestly as great a player as russ is with that roster and with beal missing a lot of games they couldn't do anything this season and the next season is also a great question mark the uh, east is already set it's most probably going to be the nets bucks sixers and uh, celtics give or take if they make a few good trades <laughs> the sixers oh my god what are we going to do about them simmons trade talks i think simmons could get traded he's apparently been in talks with the cavaliers the hawks and a lot of other teams even the rockets i heard but i don't think the sixers will take an easy decision on him they would require some kind of great player to come back someone like colin sexton or kyle lowry something like that did you did you see that article where shooter thinks he's a 100 million contract player yeah that was outrageous of him to ask that contract after the kind of season he had he's a great player but this was this was nothing compared to the performances he was delivering when he was at okc with uh, the three guard lineup of paul dort and schroeder with sga also being there one more time he asks for the 100 million contract i think he's going to get sacked to another team i mean uh, for mostly buddy heald or i think they're going to try trading kuzma for buddy heald but i i personally i'm not a fan of that because i like kuzma and although he had an awfully bad playoff run this season i i still have some trust in him because of uh, how he played when uh, brandon ingram launched the ball and josh hart was still on the lakers he was the best player among the four of them and i think that's primarily the reason why he was kept and the others were traded but now that he's been more of a catch catch and shoot type of player past two seasons i think his offensive role has been kind of limited so i really want to see what he can do to make changes to his game next season if he can yeah i really think the lakers should take a chance on kuzma because look at look at all their past trades they've already traded julius randle brandon ingram lonzo ball and for all the reasons that they traded them they've all developed to fill those holes they traded ingram because he couldn't shoot all that well and going into the pelicans team he's been amazing he's been a great iso scorer doing anything he wants and lonzo ball they traded him because he wasn't a good catch and shoot player and he made questionable decisions but he's picked that up there and julius randle has become a crazy good player over in new york so the lakers they haven't been able to get the developmental process right and i have my doubts whether kuzma was the best player out of that young lakers core because look at d'angelo russell julius randle and brandon ingram and how they've really matched their offensive and defensive output kuzma could get to that level but i don't know whether he will with the lakers as they are constructed right now with this win now mode if the lakers do decide to blow it up and get buddy healed it will be crazy good because they will have a legitimate order then it could be lebron ad and then healed and they could get a few complimentary pieces and healed wouldn't be that expensive so they could still get a lot more shooters and depth so yeah they would go for healed as a budget third option or they might even go for derozan is what i heard because derozan also wants to go to a championship caliber team he he doesn't really want to be in a situation that just gives money and puts him in a place to not be able to contend he really wants to he really looks forward to being in a contending position this season yeah said in his interview yeah with uh, the raptors snaking him and doing all that 
bad stuff to him. I I don't even blame him honestly. He's played his part for the Spurs. He's a crazy good player, and whatever you say, if you if you really think that Demar Derozan isn't a great third option, then I don't know what to tell you. I think the Lakers become instant favorites if they trade for Derozan, but we'll have to see how much depth they retain. I mean, Derozan doesn't have a consistent uh, outside jump shot, so I I really feel in today's game a three point shot is really essential. So. that's one of the main reasons why i as a laker fan am not really particularly keen about derozan he did really play a good uh, three point shooting season back in his final season with toronto i feel like his three point shooting prowess has been diminished because of the lack of attempts and with san antonio playing their old style of basketball with only a few players allowed to shoot a lot of threes they are allowed derozan to become the mid range shooter that he was built to be and This year in the playoffs, the three-point shot has been completely undervalued. The teams that had the most consistent mid-range shooters made it farther. Look at the Bucks and Suns. The Bucks had Middleton, and the Suns had CP3, and they didn't make many threes. Even Booker, you know, he he stopped attempting attempting threes after missing a lot, and he had 40 basically shooting from inside the uh, inside the three-point line. So. that would be a crazy valuable addition not for the regular season you know teams can make a lot of jumps by shooting a ton of threes in the regular season like the jazz or even the rockets in 2018 but in the playoffs when it matters most i think i would rather have someone like derozan who can make his own shot from inside the three point line and consistently hit it at a crazy good clip so yeah we'll see what the lakers front office decides now for a most exciting and uh, most controversial and confusing player of the whole trade deadline and the whole trade market right now damian lillard confusing because no news source is believable when it comes to damian lillard's whereabouts on whether he wants to stay or not because he he's denying every source that says he wants to leave and i mean that's understandable his his loyalty has never been questionable he's always been loyal to portland but going by the way the team is right now with them hiring a new coach and everything with the team not being in a progressing situation at all i i really wouldn't blame him if he wants out and uh, the potential trade markets trade teams for uh, damian lillard are i think the lakers or the knicks if i'm not if i'm not wrong because i i i also heard there's there's a personal interest that damian lillard wants to go to the knicks like settle in new york but i'm really not sure about that as i said no new sources trustworthy when it comes to this yeah plus you know with uh, dame it's not as simple he's not a free agent he still has a contract he would have to do this the hard and route he would have to request a trade and uh, you know with the level of point guard that he is they would have to get a lot of assets and capital back in return for him. now with the celtics offloading Uh, Kemba Walker and everything they they really require a solid point guard because that's the position they've been lacking in ever since Kyrie left so there are even talks of Damian Lillard going to the Celtics but yeah you know rumors are everywhere but we'll know only when things really happen i mean Damian Lillard Damian Lillard for Jalen Brown sounds like a solid deal but obviously the celtics would have to include some more players and picks and what not so it's going to be really interesting to look uh, 
at the at all the teams when the season starts in october but until then we have a lot of trades to talk about and a lot of topics to discuss yeah and finally about this one player who have really kept an eye on when when lebron left cleveland he left it as some kind of throne for kevin love to inherit and so far it hasn't been the case so the cavs picked a damn good player called colin sexton and followed it up by getting him a really great complimentary piece in darius garland and even you know getting jarrett allen as the cherry on top i feel like the cleveland cavaliers have a great core but the problem with that is they have a lot of internal issues and the player i'm talking about is colin sexton so colin sexton has great offensive upside he's been amazing with the cavaliers consistently improving every single year year in year out this season with the nets big 3 being active and healthy he beat them twice single handedly he had insanely good games and yet there's a lot of internal friction between the team and they say he's a ball hog he's really selfish and there's a lot of issues with them and he wants a contract which the cavs don't plan on matching so with him being on the market he could go to somewhere like philly because there are a lot of teams right now which require a point guard at the level of colin sexton who can create his own shot and colin sexton is not your passing point guard he can create his own shot out of anything he's one of the pretty good uh, iso scorers in the league and he could be a veritable developing player look at what the cavs did with kevin porter junior now he's shining on the rockets and potentially has you know oh, damn good crazy upside for a shooting guard i mean he calls him as a point guard now but we'll see how this goes so that was about the nba finals and our off season takes and not to mention this is our uh, season finale this is the last episode for the 2020 2021 season It's been a really fun season. We just got off starting with the podcast and it's been a really fun ride with you guys. And we really look forward to having another amazing season and many more to come. So, moving forward, we'll be having a lot more types of content. We're going to have um uh, off-season stuff to talk about how teams are going to be looking into the season after the trade deadline. So, we'll be back sooner than ever and we can't wait to come back and talk to you guys. So, we'll see you soon. Thank you.